a vision I had a few days ago. He's like, dude, you need to share this tonight. And I wasn't planning on sharing it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should. The cool thing about living in God's realm, which is the spirit realm. Remember Jesus like, hey, if you're going to worship my dad, you have to do it in spirit and truth. That word truth is realm. That's what that means. So if you're going to worship my dad, Jesus, like you got to do it in his realm, which is the spirit realm. So in the spirit realm, you can multitask in multiple dimensions at the same time. So I'm fully engaged with my kids. We're talking, we're playing, and I'm in a vision at the same time. That's fun. So in this vision, I see the enemy's camp, at least some part of the camp, and it's this arid, dry valley, and I'm invisible. No one sees me. So I was like, that's kind of cool. Because the cool thing about God is he's very intelligent, so he has a lot of intel that he wants to share with his kids about his world and the enemy's world. It's kind of like Doppler radar. You know when the storm is coming and you know what to do before it comes. That's why you want to get intelligence in the enemy's camp so you know what to do ahead of time. And you make him look completely foolish which is a lot of fun. So I'm there, and I can't describe everything because there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's lots of stuff in the air, and there's banners and all these crazy things. And then there's this huge veil, black veil, that kind of looked like an ominous, thick gate. Remember Lord of the Rings, the black gate before Mordor, that big black gate. People are marching, they hide in the rock and make themselves look like rocks, the elves and stuff. So it's kind of like that. So then God takes me to the side, and the veil is paper thin. They make it seem ominous, tall, and thick, when in reality, it's paper thin. And then I see what I know as believers, and they're running towards the veil of darkness. So then I see a shadow in the midst of the veil. I don't know if this is a demon, principality, couldn't care less, but it just makes a sound. And what comes out is a flock of birds, looks like crows, like black birds. And there's a group that surround each individual, and they start circling, and they're talking, and they're speaking lies, and I can see the words that are coming out of their mouth, and they're floating in the air. And so some of the people running stop, and they're looking around, and they start grabbing a hold of the words and start pushing them into their heart, their mind. All thought is rooted in the mind first. Your heart has a brain. This has been proven in neurocardiology. All thought starts in the mind and the heart. It then sends signals to the head center, the brain, then starts to fire synapses, and it starts establishing mindsets and patterns of thought, which are going to tell your physiology what it's going to do. So we got to renew the mind because <laughs> it affects everything. So I take these words, they're pushing them into their heart, then immediately the ground opens up and enormous earthworms wrap around their ankles and they cannot move forward anymore. And they're overtaken. And I was like, well, that sucks. So then I hear behind the veil the air force and the ground force. Satan is the prince and power of the air. So where will he always begin? In the air. He's atmospheric. There's stuff going on all around us. Ra, 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 ra. 
all around us. The key to a sound mind is to guard what sound you let in. And there's a lot of sound all around. Air force, the birds, ground force, the worms. Working together to prevent any momentum towards what? Darkness. We're children of light. We don't have to fear the darkness, correct? Light's always greater than dark. Basic earth sciences teaches light is always greater than darkness. There's no battle. You don't turn on a light in your room and it's like, (laughs) the light just comes on and the darkness goes away. (laughs) So then I see people that didn't listen to the birds. The momentum doesn't stop. So then God takes me out a little bit and I see what looks like a dome at first. And I hadn't really noticed until I saw the contrast above the dome that everything in the dome was monochromatic. No color. And everything was slow. Everything above the dome was vibrant color and really fast. Acceleration. So it's like, okay, God, what is this? So he begins to speak to me about what's going on. And then I hear from behind the, the veil the blanket effect. They're screaming the blanket effect and they start chanting cares and affairs, cares and affairs, cares and affairs. The cares of this world and the affairs of this world. The dome is the timeline. Everything beneath the timeline is 3D. We're so used to seeing in 3D, we think that's it. 3D. This is all there is. See, this is solid, right? No. You're just looking at it from the lowest dimension, which is particle. So it looks solid. If you saw it from the highest dimension, you'd see it's in waveform. It's energy. It's not solid. Just a different perspective, correct? We're so used to being down here, but aren't we from above and not beneath? So if we're not careful, we think, I'm a solid. I'm a solid. I'm a solid. No. God, let your breakers break over me. What is that? That's called waves. Let your breakers break over me. So then I say, okay, what's going on with the cares and affairs here? He said, when you're living under the timeline, because God is the God who was and is and is to come at the same time. So he's always on time because he's not under time. When he interacts with us, he'll come into our box of time so he can interact with us. He has to come into our box to relate to us, correct? But if we're not careful, we keep that box. And the thing about increasing in wisdom and revelation, if you're increasing, which we always are, your theology better be evolving. Correct? Now, there's parts of theology that should, and it's like, well, now Jesus is not the only way. There's other ways. No, there's, there's no other way. 
But there are spaces of theology that need to evolve as we increase in wisdom and revelation. Where all of a sudden, I thought this the whole time, but wow, I didn't realize it actually meant this. The Pharisees were very famous about liking their boxes. They actually wore boxes. They love their boxes. And Jesus liked to say, I'm going to function outside of your box to see what your brain does. So that molecular, biological, holographic computer starts frying. It's like eternity is written on your heart. So it's about being temporally minded versus eternally minded. We're to be eternally minded, right? Well, what does that mean? Like, I'm just going to think of heaven. The mansions up there and pearly gates, golden roads, organic food, and <laughs> non-GMO food. <laughs> Here's what we're really getting at. To be temporally minded, it's actually the word when it's used in Second uh, Corinthians. Paul says, you know, to be temporally minded, it, the temp- word temporal means subject to time. What is time? It is the fourth dimension. We do know this. But what is time? Time is only relevant to your location in space. Right? We're on the earth doing this. At over 10,000 miles per hour, 24 hours a day. We've been doing it so long, we just think that's normal. And then we're doing a big one around the sun, (laughs) 365 days. And then we do a bigger one, our solar system, around the galactic center, wheels within wheels. Time is cyclical, right? But if you're on Mars, it's not 24 hours a day. If you're on Venus, it's not 24 hours a day. So time is only relevant to your location in space. So at the end of the day, time is irrelevant. Yes. If you're eternal, which you are, and eternity is written on your hearts, you are above the timeline. The fifth dimension up is the heavenly realms. Jesus ascended into the heavens, plural S. There's an S on there. We're seated with Christ, Ephesians 2, 6, in the heavenly realms. There's another S. God framed up the worlds. There's another S. So what I'm seeing, this dome and everything above, God's like, if you're temporally minded, you will be consumed with the cares and affairs of this world. I'm not talking about the earth, the world. Two different things. The world is a dimension. And we are not of the world. We are in it, but we are not of it. But many believers function like they are of it. Let's talk a little more about time. Who told you the beginning of the day is the morning? 
Who taught you that? Is that true? Is that the beginning of the day, the morning? When did God create Adam? The sixth day, right? Was it in the morning? When did he create him? Anyone know? It says it in the creation story. The afternoon. Why in the afternoon? Why not start the day fresh? (laughs) The morning dew. Start to pull up that mud. Form Adam. (laughs) The birds are chirping. It's a wonderful day to make a man. (laughs) See, the creation account in Eden, here's how days work. It was night and then day. It was night and then day. The beginning of the day in Eden was at night. Why? What's Adam's first revelation of the Father? Rest. No to-do list. God's like, hey, let's get cracking. Multiply. Come on. Procreate. Let's get it going. We got fruit. We got vines. Trim, trim. It's a lot of soil in here. (laughs) He's like, Adam, you need to understand something. All revelation flows from rest. So the beginning of the day is what? Sleep. How are you going to start your day? I'm going to sleep for hours. So then when I wake up, I am rested so that my work is productive. Our culture is flipped upside down. Like, got to wake up, barrel through the day, collapse on your bed at night, eyes are on fire. (laughs) Now I will rest. (laughs) God's like, rest is first. It's always first. So we've got to learn how his world functions and not get so tethered to this world where the cares and the affairs keep us under subject to time. It's the same thing with money. Jesus talks about money over 3,000 times in the New Testament. It's kind of important. What is money? What is money? Is it just paper and metal? It's always interesting to me when people are like, yeah, I'm not too concerned about money, you know? And then their check is short. It's like Gollum comes out. Like, really? Because that's interesting. Money's energy. It's what currency is. It's energy. People react with energetic reactions. Oh, money is not a big deal to me. When there's not enough, people start freaking out and there's all these triggers going off. What is that? Is that paper and metal? Or something a little more than that? So I just like, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Birds are not freaking out. They're not pacing in your front yard. Have you seen any worms today? I haven't seen any worms. 
one over by the tree, just Hannah said, I'm not sure if we're going to live. I have not seen any worms. <laughs> they got plenty of twigs. There's not a shortage of twigs for birds to find nests. And yet so many of us, when we get into a space where it seems as though there's lack, keywords seems as though there's lack. We start to spiral. You know that phrase, spiral? Where does that come from? Song of Solomon 2.14. It's kind of a cryptic verse. There's quite a few cryptic ones in the Song of Solomon. It talks about how we are hidden in the secret of the staircase. Oh, that makes sense. Thank you, Solomon, for that cryptic verse of the evening. Hidden in the secret of the staircase. The Hebrew word for that word staircase is spiral staircase. So God started speaking to me one day about this because I was asking questions. I like to ask God lots of questions. I encourage you to ask him a lot of questions. If you're in a community and you can't ask questions, please leave that community. Let's think. (laughs) Please think. If people are like, we don't ask questions around here. Okay, I'll see you later. Because that means you can't be childlike. And there's a pretty high value on being childlike in the kingdom. My children ask lots of questions. It's not one or two. Many questions. (laughs) It is a spiral staircase of walking up into many questions. So when I'm reading the Bible, a lot of times like, why is it this color, God? Why did you say this? Why is this person doing that? What's up with that? The thing I love about the Bible is you can interact with the author while you're reading it. What's going on? He loves questions. So I'm asking questions about this verse because it's interesting. So why spiral staircase? What's up with that? So he starts talking about how we are ascending. When we ascend in Christ, faith to faith, glory to glory, grace to grace, strength to strength. It's in a circular motion, not linear. It's not A to B. I'm walking my destination to God. This straight line, that's not how it works. You ever feel like you're going in circles? It's because you are. You ever feel like you've come full circle, but you're dealing with the same stuff? Ever been there? No, just me. (laughs) Like, I think I've been here before. I've seen this tree. This tree looks very familiar to me. We had a spiral staircase in our home in Salt Lake City. And how many have ever gone up or down a spiral staircase before? It's easier going up, right? Come down, it's like you feel like you're a baby again. How do I walk? (laughs) Your balance is all off, like depth perception. But going up is a breeze. And so he begins to talk to me about how this is really important for us to understand because imagine a redwood tree next to a spiral staircase. You got a lot of redwoods around here. So you're going up that staircase. You come around full circle and you see the tree again. Looks like the same tree. 
the same redwood bark barking at me. So it could seem as though you're looking at the same thing. The difference is you're from a higher plane of reality. You've come full circle, but you've ascended in the circle. We can begin to beat ourselves up a lot of times, like, I thought I already dealt with this. You're just dealing from it from a higher perspective. Because faith to faith, grace to grace, strength to strength, it's dimension to dimension. Heavens, worlds, realms. 3D is kind of boring. Don't you think? I think. I'd like to see more than 3D. And it's all available. It's just, will we choose to live in that web? Okay. There's a cool verse. Second Timothy 2.4 says this. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Does this mean we disengage from life? Well, my wife is an affair of this life, so I just can't. I don't have time for that. (laughs) Children, cares of this world, please out of my sight. (laughs) This isn't about disengaging from our responsibilities. This is about coming into higher consciousness of God. Because what else that's inside your body right now looks like a spiral staircase? DNA. If you were here in January, we talked a lot about DNA. Don't have time to get into all that stuff. Listen to the message. It's probably still on there, right? So if you want to get into that, go back. I don't know when that was, but find it on the website. Listen to it. DNA is important to God, it's important to Satan, always has been, always will be. And the thing about this spiral staircase that's also inside your body, it's about ascending into a higher consciousness of God so that our mind, as it is renewed, we are what? Romans 12 says, the renewal of your mind is for what? Transformation? To be transformed, right? We're transformed through the renewal of our mind. It's the word transfiguration. English translators didn't like that. It was a little too edgy. So they put transformation. It's more palatable. But the real word is metamorphic. The Greek word, it means transfiguration. It's the same word used of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So when Jesus' body is like, and there's light coming out, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. His flesh is transfiguring. The renewal of your mind is so that your flesh will be transfigured. This isn't just some like ethereal spiritual thing. I'm renewing my mind and there's just going to be this spiritual transformation in my life. It's going to be wonderful. It's so your flesh will be transfigured. 
Your brain has been so tethered to the flesh so long that it's driven by the flesh. Our flesh has been crucified, but it still is very weak. Your spirit is strong. So it just needs to be in the proper place. So at the very beginning, I said, when your mind is unrenewed, when revelation is coming at us, we cannot process or keep pace. So stuff is this. But as our mind is renewed more and more, we come into a greater awareness and consciousness of God. Not just in your mind, also in your brain. Because remember all thoughts rooted in your mind? So renewed thoughts are also sent to the head centers, forming synaptic pathways, mindsets, and patterns. They're either going to be temporal thinking structures going on or eternal thinking structures going on. And it will dictate under the web or over it. Monochromatic slow-mo or colorful fast-mo. I like fast-mo, personally. How many of you ever heard of imaginal cells? You ever heard of this? No one. Well, good. Let me talk to you about imaginal cells. My children... We uh, sometimes get them the caterpillars. They turn into butterflies, you know. So you make the shoe box and they color it. And, like you feed them the sugar water and all that stuff. And you let it out and they're like, whoa. And the butterfly's like, peace out. <laughs> when a caterpillar is transitioning to start to become a butterfly, it starts feasting. Just like, Rah! eating everything in sight. And then what happens is imaginal cells, which are the new cells of the butterfly, start to pop up inside the caterpillar. The immune system of the caterpillar starts to attack the imaginal cells because it thinks it's a foreign thing trying to destroy it. And it actually is trying to destroy it. (laughs) That's the point. You're not going to be a caterpillar anymore. So these imaginal cells start to clump and cluster together and they just overtake a caterpillar. And the imaginal cell has a new vibration, new information, and a new frequency that the caterpillar cells do not have. And it's all related to the butterfly. So we can live life one of two ways. As a caterpillar, has no arms, and just kind of does this on the ground. I'm going to eat this that's right here. That looks like some good trash over here. Or, see a caterpillar, if you think about the dome scene again, a caterpillar can't get out of that dome. But a butterfly can come out. Remember the part I saw believers running? They weren't listening to the birds. They kept running towards the veil here's what else happened openings started to happen in the top of the dome and light began to shine on those ones that were running that did not listen 
And there was illumination around their whole body. Then what began to happen is I started to see angels phasing in and out around them because the next phase was arrows were coming through the veil. Hundreds of arrows. But the ones who had renewed minds, who were not listening to the lies, who were running full force, the air force, the ground force did not affect them. When these arrows were about to hit them, these angels would phase in and out, and they're full of fire. They're just fire, these angels. And they would take down the uh, arrows. And the cool thing was I could tell the enemy could not tell what they were and how they were doing it because they were phasing it out so fast. God was just showing me in a slow motion them phasing it out, but to them, they could not see it. Send believers pulled out their swords. We all have a sword, right? And the sword caught fire, and they ran into the darkness, and the veil was penetrated. Those that are engaged in warfare are not to be consumed with the affairs of this life. You were born into warfare. You were born into a war zone. Welcome to the war. The good news is the enemy is defeated. He has no arms. I should say feet. And he's been disarmed. He has no arms. So all he can do is he's like the caterpillar. He's just really loud. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you hear the sound in the bush? It's like, man, that sounds like a lion. Remember the Bible says he roams around like a lion? Because he's not one. There's only one lion. That sounds like a lion. Then you get in there like, caterpillar, really? got a big mouth, but that's a caterpillar. <laughs> See, demons are really weak. They can't even open doors. They can only walk through open ones. All right? They can't bust down doors. When we open them, they're like, thank you. I'm so weak, I couldn't even turn the knob. Thanks for doing that for me. I'm coming on in. Because empowerment of the enemy is only through agreement. Only through agreement. And we agree with lies when we forget. Right? It's the whole Garden of Eden. Satan's like, hey, eat this fruit. You'll be like God. That's like the stupidest temptation ever. They already were. Oh, really? That's like someone coming up to me like, hey, Brian, eat this apple. You'll, you'll be like a man. <laughs> I'm already a man. But eat the apple. You'll be like a man. <laughs> so why'd they do it? They forgot. Every time we fall into a sin, whatever it is, we have forgotten. Every single time. And then what do we do? We love our works, don't we? So Adam and Eve, they come over here, fig leaves. I'm going to knit some panties over here. 
Need some mammary protection over here, but this. <laughs> well, I could have said boob, but I said mammary. <laughs> What's God do? Doesn't he make them new coverings? Animal skins? What's he saying to them in this moment? Some people make this out to be like, oh, it's like, it's a precursor to Jesus. And I'm like, I, I'm not sure it's totally about that. I think it's more about this. Hey, uh, your whole works thing doesn't work. So you trying to make yourself look good just doesn't work. So let me be your covering. Your little man-made covering isn't going to work. It's not about performance, Adam and Eve. You don't, you don't have to perform your, back, your way back into my heart. So we love to do this, don't we? We agree with the light. All right, Jesus, I'm going to fast for three days. Hey, fasting is great, but if you're doing it to perform, it's not good. God's not like, three days. That's impressive, Brian. You are back in my heart today. It wasn't even a juice fast. It was just water. It's incredible. (laughs) That's not how God works. Last thing I want to talk about is, uh, I really feel like I was supposed to share an encounter I had. I actually might share a couple of them, but we were out in time. I will. I'll share a couple of them. So I was at a Bible college where I met Cecily. She didn't like me there, though. She was deceived. (laughs) Remember, Paul had scales on his eyes. Very similar. So once grace came, it was like, oh, yes, the scales came off. It was like, ah. We ascended up the spiral staircase. (laughs) It was awesome. So we're at Bible College, and I've been there a few years at this point. It was a pretty uh, legalistic place, and legalism and I are not very good chums, so it was hard for me to be in that environment. And so I was working construction one day. It was 100 degrees. This is in Springfield, Missouri. Misery. 100 degrees. 104% humidity. That's basically hell, if you're wondering what that is. So then I'm working on this construction site. We're building this frame, and on top is where we're doing it. We're putting on a tin roof. That's Tartarus, which is below Sheol. It's used in the New Testament, so it's a whole other threshold of darkness. That's where we are on this tin roof, the 100 degrees, 104% humidity. So we're working with warped wood. You ever worked with warped wood? You cannot unwarp the wood. Okay? So we're just trying to make this work. And the president of the Bible college comes out and says, uh, he's looking at it from above, Brian, that wood is crooked. And they ordered the wood, knowing it was warped. 
And so I, I reacted in a certain way. 100 degrees, 104% humidity. I'm on a tin roof. I have a hammer in my hand. I throw it down and it perfectly goes into the wood. I was just like, I should have just jumped off and said, yes. Epically went into the wood. I throw it into the wood and I said, well, why don't you get your fill in the blank down here and build it yourself? So I'm walking away from the site going, I'm not sure that was the best conversation to have with the president of the Bible college. I'm walking away. And I was in my space in my life at that point. I was kind of in a rough spot. And I was saying to God as I was walking, I said, God, like, I really love you. I just don't know if I can be in ministry. I said, my friends that were in the world were more real to me than this. I just, I need real. So immediately this guy comes around the corner. He says, hey, do you want to go to Pensacola, Pensacola, Florida? There's a revival breaking out. Here's my response. Is there a beach in Pensacola, Florida? No, no lie. He's like, yeah, I'll go. Nothing about the revival, just the beach. I don't care about the revival. Just give me the beach. So we drive all night. We get there. We get to this church and it's about two in the afternoon. There's a, hundreds of people, like little pods, they're worshiping and stuff. I'm like, man, what's going on? So we walk up there thinking maybe there's an afternoon service. I don't know. And I say to one guy, hey, like, is there an afternoon service? He's like, no, it starts at 7. Like, that's five hours from now. He's like, yeah, we just can't wait. I had no grid for, like, the presence of God before this. So when this person's saying this to me, I'm like, you're going to wait five hours to go to this meeting. So I'm sitting there just looking at this guy. I said, are they giving away prizes? <laughs> no joke. Like, I have no grit for this. It's like, no, we're just hungry for the presence of God. And I was like, interesting. So we just bounce around from pod to pod. People are worshiping, singing Kumbaya and all that stuff. And so the doors open, and it immediately becomes Black Friday and Walmart in the Midwest. <laughs> it was insane. I mean, people are just full, I mean, full sprint. I mean, a stride of 50-yard dash is happening. And so we get the last two seats in the balcony. 3,000 people fit in this building. 1,500 people are across the street in an overflow. Another 1,500 people are in another overflow. And then there's another 2,000 people down the street from all over the world. So I was like, this is nuts. So I start baptizing people, water baptizing at the beginning of the service. The guy gets up and he's like, hey, I was a drug addict, blah, 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 except for Jesus. They take him under the water and he comes out and he's completely limp. And he was a big dude. Like a really big dude. Like you ever notice obese people are not kidnapped? <laughs> it's always thin people. You never see on the news, here's Frank, he was kidnapped, he was 400 pounds. It's like, it take a lot to pull that off. They're grabbing thin, small people and being on their way. Anyways. 
Oh, yes. So, they're trying to get him out. And this happens to every person. 25 people, same exact thing. They'd go under the water and they'd have to carry them out. So I'm in my head because I'm very analytical, very critical. And I'm like, this must be like to prime up the pump for worship. Let's get limp people coming out of the baptismal (laughs) so we can get worship going. And so worship starts. And for the first time in my life, everyone is actually engaged in worship. Like our Bible college is like, draw me close to you. Never let me go, you know, yo-yos. This, everyone is just totally engaged. I was like, wow, this is new. And so this guy gets up to speak. He gets to the end of the message. He says, hey, if you want to accept Jesus tonight, you you need to come down to the front. I've never seen anything like this previous to this or since. At least 200 people ran to the front of this church and dove, I mean, literally dove face first, crying out saying, I want Jesus. I was, and that's when something clicked and I said, this is the real deal. You can't fake that. So I said, all right, God, what's going on here? So then the guy says, hey, we're going to open up for prayer, but I feel like I have this word for someone in here. So remember, it's 3,000 people in here. It's 1,500, 1,500, 2,000. Somebody said this yesterday. God, I love you, but I don't know if I can do ministry. He says verbatim what I said yesterday, the day before. I was so jaded that I was like, why are they not responding? Where is that person? How insulting to that word. So he gives a general call for prayer. Tons of people go up. So I make my way casually down. And I'm waiting for about 45 minutes. There's so many people receiving prayer. People are falling out. They're shaking. They're weeping. And this old woman comes up to me. She looked as though she was about maybe two, three hundred years old. <laughs> she was 88 years old, I asked. She's really cool. She's really short, too. And so she comes over to me. I was about to walk away. She says, hey, do you want prayer? And I said, yeah. I just don't want to fall or shake. That's what I said to the lady. And she says something really profound to me. She says, you know, there's two kinds of people that come up here for prayer. Those who want to fall and shake and those who don't. And she said, neither of those people are focused on Jesus. Can you just focus on him? I said, I can do that. So I lift my hands like this. My eyes are open. She's like, can I use a little oil? And I said, yeah, that's fine. So she does this. She's one foot away from me. No one is touching me. And I've lifted vertically one foot off the ground and slammed on the ground. That'll get your attention. (laughs) So I'm on the ground. From the neck down, I cannot move. So I say to God, hello. (laughs) Is this this you? (laughs) He says, yeah. I'm like, okay. I look kind of weird down here. He says, yeah, you've always been concerned about the fear of man, haven't you? I was like, oh, you're breaking up. (laughs) 
think I entered a tunnel down here in the prayer area. I couldn't uh, make that out. So. He said it in such a kind way, though. It wasn't cutting, wasn't sarcastic. And my heart began to open. I'll never forget this moment. It was probably the most profound moment of my life. And I said out to God, out loud, whatever you want to do, whatever it looks like, I just say yes. So I started doing crunches. <laughs> Be careful what you pray. I'm literally doing crunches. And God says to me, you can stop it if you want. But what was happening was I would see a hurt or a wound from the past. It would either replay or I'd hear the audio, whatever it was. And when I would exhale, I would feel it lift off. So I said to God, I don't want it to stop. If this is what it takes, crunch away. But I did say to God, if I could package this into a workout program, (laughs) deliverance and good abs, that is dynamic right there. So this... This is going on for an hour and a half, so a lot of ab work going on and deliverance. So I get up, and I'm looking around. My friend who was with me said for about five minutes, I was just kind of like dazed and confused looking around. And I came over to him, and I remember saying this. I said, I think I just got saved. I don't know if I was saved before. (laughs) And I went back, and I remember a week later, I had already been scheduled to, to speak. There was this place called Maranatha Village next to the Bible College. This is where a lot of the widows of missionaries would kind of end their life. So these are people who have been in, like, overseas 30, 40, some even 50 years. And I'm supposed to preach to them. Like, what do you preach to someone who's been in ministry for 40 years? Let me give you the sermon you've never heard before. It's going to be really amazing. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. Speaking, I was just like, okay. I'm going to speak to these people. I get there. Most of them are in wheelchairs. Most of them can't hear. And I'm not a loud talker. So I was like, what? They would just scream out, what? (laughs) I was like. So worship begins. A lady gets up on an organ and she sings Amazing Grace. So I get up to a pulpit like this. It's really big, really big wood pulpit. And I put my hands on here. And when I was walking up to it, I said, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I just, I'm going to totally rely on you. I don't know what to do. So I put my hands on here. And my body starts to vibrate. The pulp is doing this. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and then my chest starts to vibrate. And I just get out really shaky voice. I say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And it feels like a hand goes on my chest and I go flying back and I collapse on the ground. So I get up. I don't know how long it's been. And I look out and everyone is out of the wheelchair on the ground. Now, I didn't have a spiritual thought at that moment. I was like, are they dead? It's literally what I thought. I was looking at the workers and I was like, are they alive? (laughs) And then I noticed the woman in front 
She was weeping. And I have no idea what I said that morning after that. I said some stuff. And I get to the end and a worker comes over to me. And she says, hey, there's a woman who wants to talk to you. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I said, who's the woman? She says, oh, she was in uh, India for 45 years. Her husband had died. She's been here for about 10 years. And I said, oh, cool. So she comes over to me and she says, hey, son, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. She says, I haven't been in the glory of God like this in about 15 years. And she says, do not stop being reliant on him for everything you need. No one is self-made. It always irks me when I hear, here's this self-made billionaire. Really? Even if they reject God, the favor of God is still there. And the grace of God is still there. No one is self-made. What these two encounters really taught me more than anything else, I don't know what I'm doing. And I need him. Jesus was the prototype for this. It's like, I only say what the Father's saying. I mean, it's all about Jesus, right? When did he say that? You remember that verse? Was it Matthew? No. Maybe it was Mark. Jesus is like, it was all about me. Luke? It's got to be John. No. Jesus is the way to the Father. Like when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you actually don't come into a relationship with Jesus. You come into his relationship with his Father. The covenant of the Father isn't with us. It's with his Son. That's why it's eternal and unbreakable. So we come into Christ. We're hidden in Christ with the Father, not away from the Father. We're hidden in Christ with the Father, and the covenant surrounds us because it's between them, and we're in them. So I feel like we're supposed to do this tonight. Why don't you guys stand? Did this connect for you guys? Resonate with you? Good. If the worship crew wants to come, that'd be cool too. You guys did a good job. Some doors are going to open up for you too. So get ready for that. You got a passport? You have a passport? Yeah. Does your wife have one? All right. You're going to need one. But I want to give an opportunity. For encounter. I can talk all night, talk about stuff, it's good, it's truth. But encounter with truth without truth is not the full package. Remember, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, Matthew 5. He's like, hey, you guys are searching the scriptures for eternal life. 
but I'm standing right in front of you. He's saying to these guys, you're grounded in scripture, but you're missing the word. Jesus is the word. He predates the Bible. Jesus is the word made flesh. So if I don't encounter the word, I can read scripture from a wrong perspective. That's actually outside the word. So truth isn't just something I need to intellectually understand. I have to encounter truth. Then it deposits to a cellular level and it actually brings change to my life. It's not just, oh, I understand that intellectually. No, it has to go deeper than that. And that's where encounter comes. And this is what I love about God. He's not just this intellectual being. He's a father. I've tried to imagine what the father felt when Adam and Eve sinned. And then he was looking for them. Like I was imagining, what if I came home one day, like from a trip like this? My kids are with me this time, but sometimes they're not. And when I come home, it's usually like, Daddy's home, and they're going crazy. They're just like, whoa. But what if I came home, and they're hearing the key come in, and they run to hide, but they're not playing hide and seek? What would that do to my heart? And when the cares of this world and the affairs of this world consume us, the Father's like, my heart's always open, but you're pushing it away because you're grabbing a hold of what you think is really important. And the Father's like, my heart is the most important thing you can grab a hold of. And I feel this so strongly for some of you. You need to let go. Rent Frozen and sing that song. <laughs> Invite children to your house. They will sing it for you. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> Olaf next to you. And grab a hold of the Father's heart. Say all this other stuff. It will be sorted out when I make this the priority. Doesn't mean I don't have responsibilities. Just means this is the priority. So I'm going to rest so that my life is productive. So this is what I'd like you to do. If this is what you want, I just want you to step out into the aisle, if you can, into each of these aisles. If you need to come up front, that's cool. But you're saying, I've been a little too consumed with the cares and affairs of this world that I'm not of. And I need to be a little more consumed with the Father's heart. Just step into the aisle. Step up front.
I want you to do a prophetic act. What that means is you're doing something that may seem foolish in this world, but in God's world it makes a lot of sense. And I want you to take the cares and affairs of this world, and I want you to take them off your shoulders, and you take it off your legs, your arms, wipe that stuff off, even if you want to throw it on the ground, those motions. Just say, Jesus, you said don't have the cares of this world. We're not to be burdened by this world. We've been given faith to overcome this world. Faith is a celebration of certainty. You are certain in the face of uncertainty. So now I want you to do this. I want you to reach out for the Father's heart. And then just wrap your arms around yourself. And then just stay in that space. Don't work right now. Don't strive right now. Don't think of what to pray. Just receive. You're good enough to receive. Someone needs to hear that. You are good enough to receive. You don't have to do a thing right now. Just receive. So, Father, thank you for your heart. It's perfect in every way. Thank you for your heart towards us. Your face never turns from us. There's always a glimmer in your eye for your sons and your daughters. And I speak to back and neck pain right now, spines. Healing right now to your spines. Pain, get out of those backs and necks right now. Thank you, Papa, for your love. I just see his love flowing down those backs. Thank you, Father, for your love. Untangle us from these things that tether us to the cares and affairs of this world. Untangle us, Holy Spirit. The light and fire of your Holy Spirit. Untangle us. We ascend in you, Jesus. We ascend, we ascend, we ascend. Faith to faith, glory to glory, grace to grace, strength to strength. So God, do this to a cellular level. Every part of our being, molecular, subatomic, quantum, untangle us, undo us before your heart. I just declare over you a higher consciousness of God. Your awareness would scale up. The bandwidth of heaven would scale up in your life. All the information of God and the revelation of God, there'd be insight and clarity, hearing and seeing. It's the eyes of your heart that see. You see through your mind, not your eyes. Now I want you to do this. Put your hand on the person next to you, their shoulder.
And as you would pray for yourself, pray for them right now. going to do one last thing real quick how many of you feel a call to the nations huh? I'm not just meaning like vocational ministry you just have a heart for nations so you could do business in nations you could build wells like whatever that means whatever that looks like not just missionaries in the bush that too is cool okay Can we do this real quick? All of you that have this heart, I want you to line up and I want you to hold hands really quick. Just one line across the front. Something is going to happen when you link hands. Yeah, break it out a little more. You can keep going down. (laughs) Cecily. Yeah, 
Jesus, whatever you have, whatever you have, and again, do it again. There's so much of him that's available, available to you. There's so much that's available to you. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just for here. It's not just for this moment. It's, it's a lifestyle of breathing him in and going, Daddy, I don't know what to do. What do I do? What do I do? Well, breathe me in. Talk to me about it. Talk to me. What's on your heart? What do you see happening? Son, daughter, what do you see? What dreams are in your heart? What dreams are in your heart? Because he put those dreams there. He put them there. Thank you, God. So I just bless Epic Life. This is a place for the nations. This is a place for the nations. Ascending base in and out for the nations. So God, we celebrate your heart for the nations. The reward of Jesus is the nations. So we co-labor with you, Jesus, to see your full reward come to fruition. And I just bless everything you're putting your hands to. I declare favor on this ministry. There will be an increase of harvest. Souls coming into the kingdom of God carrying kingdom revelation. There will be breakthrough into all sectors of society in this city. I declare favor with outcast. Favor with the outcast. Those who have been thrown to the curb, we declare favor over them. They are precious in your sight, Father. Those who have been shunned by those who thought they were representing you but didn't represent you well. Give them favor with those. I just declare the capacity of your heart to love would increase, to love those around you. Love comes from the Father. There's no other source for love. So Father, increase our capacity to love. Let us start with ourselves so we can love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name.